Hey everybody, welcome to this Ocean Life podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Josh Peterson. Today's episode is sponsored by Buell Wetsuits. Creators of quality products for core surfers the world over, from frothing groms to touring pros. Check them out at BuellSurf.com. Now today, in episode number 62, we speak with Duke Brower, a man who's built an incredible life around the ocean and the surf industry. Duke takes us through his story of learning to surf in the 1982-83 El Nino, which is a biggie, managing the legendary Gordon and Smith GNS surf shop in Southern California, his years living, surfing, diving, and more on Maui. We hear of Duke's 14-plus year career with Surf Tech, the arrival of SUP, and great stories of the legendary people he spent time with, Joe Bark, Jerry Lopez, and many, 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 many more. Duke shares his perspective on giving back to the ocean community and those less fortunate through volunteer work, such as the Jay Moriarty Paddle Race, 24-Hour Paddle, and more. And we hear about his work with Beal Wetsuits to inspire the next generation of ocean athletes. So, thanks for being here and supporting the podcast. Get out, do something fun in the ocean, do something great for the ocean. Cut back on the plastics if you can. And now, let's get into the ocean life of Duke Brower. Duke Brower, welcome to this Ocean Life podcast, man. Dude, I'm stoked to be on the mic with you. Man, I tell you, I I appreciate how impressed you are with my studio. You know, <laughs> it's spacious. It is, yeah. The red pleather couch, and uh, thank you for bringing the Modellas over. It's always a uh, a nice perk to well, it's, have in the chat, man. It's almost six o'clock at night. It's, it's prime yeah, time. It is very true, very true. So you sent me a. Uh, and first, I've known you for a, a, like personally, like interacting, doing a bunch of stuff the last few years. I've known yeah. you, who you were, and you know, from kind of from a, maybe two two levels apart for a long time. But you sent me this just some bullets of, of what you've been up to, and I was just like tripping because it's funny. You'd think you know somebody until you actually sit and talk to them. Yeah, there's so much more depth to all of us, you know, and you, you just takes time to come out. But you have this really cool background. Where not only you have your own time in the water, surfing, paddling, you've been diving, spearfishing, you've grown up in California, you've been to Maui, but also in the industry of surf, yeah. right? Surf tech for 15 years almost. Now you're yeah. with Buell, you've, you know, your wetsuits. I mean, you've been around the world in rad places with rad people, people like Jerry Lopez, right? <laughs> Jimmy Mitchell, Shane Dorian, like there's a long list here. So yeah. there's a lot here to cover. Um I'm excited to chat about it. So <laughs> let's start with the here and now. Let's ease into that whole thing. It's okay. March 2019. Winter's wrapping up. How was your winter in the water this year, this past winter? Uh, well, I was working a lot. Um, oh, so I, darn I work. probably spent more of my winter in the office. But um, yeah, it was killer. I mean, uh, obviously, the sandbars around town have been really fun. I, I love when we get you know this type of of rain and and you start seeing um little bars show up that you haven't seen in a while or maybe ever um obviously the cowls has been super fun but um you know it's funny because i'm you know i'm i'm 51 years old and i'm just i keep hearing myself say things that i've heard like old guys say back in the day and i'm like you know i i started surfing in the winter of 82 83 yeah and I'm surprised that I stayed with it because right. that was the most brutal winter. Yeah. It was an El Nino. Bomber El Nino. Crazy. Like there's footage of that winter that I, I have a video called Off the Wall 2 that is from that winter. 
And I'm like, that's why it was so hard for me to learn how to surf because it was just bombing every yeah. day. Um, but I kind of remember that when I was a kid that it just seemed like there was all it was always eight foot everywhere, you know, <laughs> sandbars and yeah. and and but then that you know the last probably twenty years I feel like that's been less frequent. Right. Um, I mean, there's big big been bombing swells, but just not as much rain and um, yeah, it's true. And this winter is kind of the first winter in a while for me that I was just like, God, this this reminds me of when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's been that's been super fun. And um, but I've been dealing with some injuries. Um, that's why I'm not paddling the 24 with you guys the whole yeah, time. My yeah. shoulder's been bugging me. I is think, that from a like a traumatic impact or just yeah, a little tear? both. Yeah. Uh, I hurt my left shoulder when I was living in Maui. I I tried stupidly tried to duck dive a wave that I had no business trying to duck dive and it just took my shoulder out and had surgery and and the surgeon told me I had about a 25 year warranty on the shoulder depending on how I treated it and here we are year 26 it it was it started hurting again um playing with my kid actually out uh just down the end of the street yeah um in the water right slipped out and I was like but and then the other shoulders hurting so I've been kind of sorry I've been running Mm-hmm. A little more than paddling. Um, Try to take it easy. It was humbling last last year. I did the Westcliff Challenge, and yeah. uh, dude, I was hurting the whole time. Really? Oh a six yeah. Six mile paddle, and you're just like, oh man, really? I was I was back of the pack. All the groms yeah. are past me. I mean, they're getting a lot better. <laughs> yeah. The kids are getting yeah. a lot yeah. better now. Um, but I was like, what am I doing? Like, oh. I should not be doing this. So yeah. I just said, this this winter, I mean, this summer, I'm gonna chill out. Uh, I might do the downwinder. Yep. Um, and then I'm just gonna chill. I'm gonna paddle yeah. that night with you guys. I'm gonna come back. Yeah. I'm doing a demo in, uh, with HSS down in uh, Huntington. Yeah. Um, during the day on the 13th, and I mean I, they usually wrap up like at three. I'm just gonna bomb up Blaze here, home. go home, grab nice. my board, and then meet you guys in the water. And hopefully we'll get a bunch of groms. Yeah. To paddle out at night for yeah. the 24. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, for folks listening, what Duke's talking about is last few years we've put together. Well, not we. I mean Troy Nebaker, who's been on the podcast. Uh, uh, have the guy in every week is so fun to talk to uh put together monster and sea 24-hour paddle to benefit families with cancer uh, duke and i have been doing this, this is our third year you're kind of the uh, surrogate sort of coordinator of a bunch of it and then others are going to fill in to paddle and raise money for four-year-old jet ramsey battling a brain tumor insanity yeah. um so it's gnarly so you're going to come back from a ch- trade show down south Come up, jump in the water. Now, next week, you're also on a whirlwind world tour, right? Kind of. Not a world Japan. tour. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Japan on uh, Monday. I'm heading to Japan. I'm going to be there for a couple days. Uh, I'm working with Buell Wetsuits, as you know. Yeah. And um, and he, you know, Buell's creative mind uh, never rests. Yep. Um, and he's, so he's got some stuff that he's, um, doing over in Japan and I'm going to go swing over there, pick up some suits, um, and, uh, hang out with our Japanese distributor for a couple of days. Yeah. And then from there, I head over to Sydney and hang out with our Australian distributors and go to the quick pro at snapper. Oh, and, sweet. um, I think those, uh, Buell's going to go Matt Rockhold, who's our brand manager. He's going to be over there. Yep. So those guys are going to kind of. You know, do all the fun stuff. Yeah, uh, hang out with the <laughs> you with do the, the business team. stuff. Yeah, the and I'm gonna stuff, yeah. be visiting surf shops. <laughs> and you know, the good thing is, and the reason I've been in this business for however long I've been in it, thirty plus years, is I, I mean, I'm required to surf. Yeah, those guys expect that when I show up, I yep. better have my board, yep. and I'm gonna have right. to paddle out. Yep. And you actually get 
you know, I know I'm sure in the golf industry, those guys go hit some balls and they get, they, they, you know, have huge deals that get done over a round of golf. Yeah. And we do that, you yeah, know, paddling certainly. out. Cause when you're surfing, I mean, you're, you are sitting for a certain amount of time. Right. Um, that's a nice problem to have. It's cool. And it's universal. <laughs> I get to do that in Japan. I'm going to yeah. get to do that in Australia. Sweet. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, Pretty that, killer. That's part of what we'll chat about in a little bit. And I, I alluded to at the beginning was you've been all around the world. And I'm guessing a big chunk of that was from your time in the industry doing this stuff. But let me ask you, man. So, you know, I've known Beal for a long time and I've had the suits. And um, as you guys branch out more internationally, which is, I think, what you're talking about, how how hard is it to launch a new surf brand these days? I'm not saying it's new because he's been around, but in a new region or now there's boards or there's, you know, Grom boards and wetsuits or how, it just seems like the surf industry is so compact. It's so impacted. That's not the right word. Saturated. Saturated. Yeah. yeah. So how, what's that like, man, after you've been doing it for so long? Well, you kind of opened a can of worms right there because uh, <laughs> you're right. And it, and it, I mean, when I started with Buell, um, you know, I've known him forever too. And, um, but, there's something special about Buell himself and something special about Buell wetsuits and surf that unfortunately in the surf industry is not unique anymore. And mm -hmm. that is having a company that everybody surfs. Right. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, it's more important to be, to have an MBA than it yeah. is to have a lot of water experience. And um, in the surf industry, I mean, you smell um, uh, a phony, yeah. you know, pretty quickly. And, um, and for us, all the decisions that we make are based on 30 plus years of surfing right. and being part of the surf industry, you know, surfing in contests and surfing yeah. in big waves, small waves, sandbars, reefs, points, all of that, all the people you get to know. So we make a lot of decisions that we just know are right. Like we're just like, yeah, we're like, surfers. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to yeah. do, you know. Uh, and then we also say no to a lot of things. We're like, that's not going to work, you know. Um, it is It is a pretty daunting task. I mean, we're going up against some heavy hitters. I mean, you got O'Neill that's been around for, what, 50-plus yeah. years. And, I mean, there's no shortage of wetsuit brands. But I don't think there's any that are as authentic as we are. Yeah. Um, and if you look at our <clears> – <throat> excuse me. If you look at the team that Buell and Matt Rockhold have put together, uh, I don't think there's a more – fun and unique surf team in the surf industry period. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jamie O'Brien's kind of the most obvious one, but yeah. there's so many, if you dig deep and look through, and there's so many people that are wearing Buell wetsuits right now across the globe yeah. that a lot of people don't, aren't even aware. You know, they're not big social media people and they're gnarly. Yeah. Right. And there's some that are, you know, super gnarly and have huge social media followings that are, people are very aware of. Um, that are wearing yeah. wearing our stuff and um, it's crazy. I mean, just the energy and plus uh, the way the surf industry is right now. It's not. It's it's all about the brands and not all about the surf shops. Right. Uh, when when I was a kid, if I wore a an O'Neill you know sweatshirt yeah. or something, everyone people wouldn't. Oh, that guy's a surfer. Well, now you can buy that stuff oh, in yeah. Macy's, Everywhere. Costco. I mean. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just those two alone, Macy's and Costco. Yeah, that's where I'm going to go get my board shorts. I know Marshalls. Are you all the serious? Stuff. Like, I know it's incredible. It's it sucks, and yeah. it, and it 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 sucks. I mean, and I hate mm -hmm. that side of it. Uh, I understand brands. They're they're publicly traded or publicly held companies. They have to, you know, increase their their revenues and such. But they're not supporting surf shops. Yep. So if if uh, you it's know uh, surf shops got to compete against the brands that they're putting in their stores. 
and fortunately for them, people are still coming in and asking for them. Yeah. So, and I'm sure that'll continue indefinitely. Um, but for us, we're a little bit unique. So right. it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. And what I like about it, not, I mean, not the fact that because I know you and Matt Rockhold and a bunch of other guys and Ryan himself and helped him with his early website and I've used to ride those suits. It feels like I remember like the early Volcom days. And it was like kind of crazy, like ads, you know, with like faces and like, you know, crazy ads with letters cut out to make words. And it was just yeah. edgy again, you know? Yeah. And I know they've they've evolved. That's yeah. cool. Speaking of Macy's, yeah. But everything else has kind of been that same trajectory. It's just kind of like super clean cut and like normal and just very status quo. And, and then here's Ryan rapping and here's, <laughs> you know, Rockle beating up the bag and Dude. everything. It's just cool. It's like, wow, there's something edgy again the well, hallelujah kind of thing i know? think so and, and yeah thanks for that and i think that uh, uh it's, it's important to know and, and you know ryan so you already know this is he's not trying to do this right woolly wasn't trying to be volcom yeah. he was just being woolly yeah you know buell's being buell yeah and uh and if you like it great and if you're if it's not your thing yeah. hey no worries yeah. you know but he's being buell and if and when volcom first started and i think i can't remember what year that was i think i was living in maui at the time but i was like for one i couldn't even pronounce like what is this volcom thing yeah. and but their team was like Punker Pat yeah, and sure. Brian Iguchi, yeah. snowboarding. They yeah. did. They, I still have like, the yeah guys who didn't care. They're just like counterculture, just doing it. And they were just like they weren't the guys on the CT. They yeah. were just these Groms for the most. I mean, they 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 blew up their Groms as much or more than they blew oh, up their yeah. pro surfers. Yeah, especially here in Santa Cruz. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, I mean globally. Yeah. Um, uh, I still there was a movie that they put out that I still love. Still one of my favorite surf movies called Alive We Ride. Oh yeah, the snowboard one. Snowboard, skate, and yeah. surf all in it's one video. Epic. I'd never yeah. seen that yeah. before at the yeah. time. So, oh, so super old, I, I don't know. that one. That was like yeah. 19. I remember uh, Creepy Fingers, that one. Creepy Fingers was sick. And, and then the one with Barney and uh, Munster. Oh, uh, shoot, which one was that? I can't remember. I, remember. I can't remember. But one thing too about Buell, so you're talking about products in the market, wetsuits, of course, clothing and all that stuff. But what you guys have done, I also find interesting, and I'm curious about is you've added something that I'd say no other normal wetsuity clothing brand has added, which is prone paddleboards for mm. kids. Oh, yeah. You know, like nobody else is, you either are a prone paddleboard company, right? And that's what you do. I don't know anybody else who started with wetsuits and shirts and hats and everything else that is now doing prone boards. So, I love it, of course, you know, me and, and the kids and the prone board. So where'd that come from? I know Ryan's an old school, legendary prone paddler, lifeguard. He was my junior guard instructor my last year. Yep, when I was wow. 17. So, you know, he's- That must have been fun. Super deep, oh yeah, God. Um, and so where's that, where'd that come from? You guys rolled out a brand, a line of prone paddle boards for kids, for junior guards and everything. Like, talk about that. Yeah, it, um, well, Buell's uh, lifeguarding background here as a city of Santa Cruz lifeguard, as a junior guard instructor. Uh, a lot of people don't know, um, the people that do know Buell in this town um, that weren't around in those days don't realize that the guy was a lifeguard. Yeah. He was a really good one. Not only was he a lifeguard, he was a heck of a competitive lifeguard. He's insanely competitive yeah, as he it is. is. Dude's yeah. insanely competitive. But he was a very... He was very gifted, prone paddling, but his thing was beach flags. Mm -hmm. He's scrappy. Ryan Buell is a scrappy individual. He, is, he doesn't, scrappy he will dive into sand and throw elbows yeah. and, you know, swim over you to, to grab the stick. 
He'll do whatever it takes. And he was really, really good. And it's funny because I saw uh, Matt Hoffman not too long ago, and he texted me some of these little video clips. Like ESPN back in the 90s, like did this, you know, uh, it was uh, lifeguard games or lifeguard championships in uh, Waikiki. And it's Buell in the final against two Japanese guys. No and way. he swims over the one guy <laughs> to get the flag. And it's him and the one Japanese guy in the you know, uh, you know, going head to head. And um, I mean, you know, so that's like his whole, his kind of alter ego. Yeah. And he's so passionate about it. Plus the guy loves kids. And yeah. so, and also all these years, and, and actually um, when I was at Surf Tech, Buell and I met a couple times to try to manufacture a better, uh, kids race board yeah because it, it was it's frustrating because right. kids you know they they go all the way up through what bees yeah and then on these like doyles or yeah. like these funky and foamies like, and they're like okay now it's time to go race with the big boys and you're like well i've never even been yeah. on a board that has handles like that before um so he wanted to make a better one back then and yeah. now once those, once yeah. i started working for him um we both agreed that hey now's the time let's launch cool. buell surf and rescue uh, and that part's been insanely fun. We're so we're so busy with the surf side of things. Yeah. It's like really hard to like like put a ton of energy into the rescue, but we have. And um, I mean, in our rescue team, just like our surf team is, I mean, dude, it's second to none. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you've They're you've badass. spent time with Amanda. Yeah. Um, she's the four time reigning nationals beach flags champion. Right. And Hayden Hemmons is he's a Newport lifeguard and. Uh, he's, I mean, I was just at nationals with those guys. Um, uh, Hayden won, God, I think he won like Ironman and I don't even know. I think he, he won like four national championships last August. Uh, Zane Booth, who's an up and coming Grom. He's, he's a U19. He's on the uh, high performance team. Um, he's a stud. He, I think he got two national titles while he was there. Renee Jackson. And, um, so it's like, it's, it's it's kind of easy because we're in this, like we're not these corporate guys that are like, Oh, we need to sell X amount and, you know, increase right. our revenue. So we need to get these. We're just like, Hey, you, you're gnarly. Like, yeah. let's go paddle together yeah. and you want to be on our team and right. do, you know, let's try some suits, see if they work. If it's good, then we'll move forward. And yeah. it's pretty awesome. But, um, what's cool too, is that, you know, because Ryan's so passionate about it, he's designed that, um, that junior guard board, mm-hmm. Right now, he's working with somebody else who I can't really mention, but that they're working on a 10-6 um, okay. sprint board. Uh, and then we're gonna we're we're doing uh, we've got some nine foot and ten foot junior guard foamies for yeah. just the general. And yeah. then uh, and then we're doing some other rescue stuff. Plus we you know we're doing board choice. And then we we make um, we make uh, wetsuits for lifeguards too. Yeah. And it's been super cool. Like the North Shore Lifeguarding Association, those guys just bought, I think like 30 boards from us. Oh, cool. The first one they got put right on the tower at Pipe. No way. Like, and and Brian Phillips is the guy, actually that connection came through Guy Perry. Yeah. Who I, is a legend in and of himself and super honored to work with him. He's one of our ambassadors and he made the connection and those guys got the boards and they're just like, you know, Brian's calling me. He's like, bro, these boards are insane. Really? Like load us up, you no know, way. send over as many as you can. We're going to have all of our junior guards on Oahu uh, using these things. And I mean, yeah. So like your earlier question is, geez, how is it to try to crack into this? Right. Well, we're pretty diversified. Yeah. Like true. if surf kind of fails, not yeah. fails, but if it's right. struggling over Slow here, here yeah. hey, we're we're so in deep with the rescue thing. Yeah. I mean, when you have the North Shore Lifeguarding Association, yeah, you could, that's like 
stoked on your stuff and you've got athletes like Hayden Hemmons and Renee Jackson and Amanda and um, I mean uh, Andrew LaGreco I mean the guy lives on a PwC up yeah. and down he was telling me he goes from Waimea to Kahuku on yeah. the PwC <laughs> when he's on his shift just Jeez. you know depending on the surf yeah and, um, and then when Gnarly. he's not on that he's getting just yeah kegs Carol. at pipe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so one cool thing about it too and is you know, to get the word out is to get the kids on the boards. And, you know, we've had some days, you put together some days, you mentioned Amanda Calabrese, folks listening, you mentioned is a legendary lifeguard um, competitor, comes down, gets a bunch of groms, gets them on boards, does beach flags, and gets the kids stoked, which is cool, you know. But one thing too, Duke, is I, met, I noticed is that, kind of segueing a little bit is, you through Buell as a company don't totally need to do that because you're not selling massive volumes of boards in Santa Cruz. You're getting the word out. But yeah. I think what I notice, and this is kind of where we're going to go next, is you like to get kids in the water, whether sure. it's in, in just for whatever it might be, doing whatever. And so we, you have these days, kids get out, they get stoked. doesn't matter what board they're on, they're just in the water. But now take that a little bit further where we mentioned the 24-hour paddle, right, which is not just paddling for 24 hours, but it's the organization of it, getting it ready, yeah. coordinating it. You basically ran the J race, which is, that wasn't a, a for-profit thing for you, right? You, you, no. you volunteer a lot of time and a lot of different yeah. things, you know? So, so talk about that now. So where does that come from? Like you give a lot of time back, not just to kids, but to the community, to paddling, et cetera. So where does that come from? Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> just makes sense. I don't know. Where's that time come from to <laughs> yeah, do all that stuff? Um, uh, well, well, for one, um, I, I mean, I feel like I'm really fortunate. Yeah. And it's funny because on the surface, I don't think, you know, a lot of the Groms probably don't go, oh, yeah, Duke, look at him. He's really fortunate. <laughs> but we are so fortunate. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I've spent so much time with Joe Bark and his family. Mm. And I've learned so much just at how they live their lives, how they treat people, what they prioritize is what's important. And mm. people are more important than anything to that family, right? And and I think that you guys as the Ghost Riders really emulate that too, that it's about people. Mm. And I think the more that we start, you know, looking at our cell phones and we're buying cars and, you know, those are all things. Yeah. Um, and we start to lose sight and we're not really connecting as much because we're on social media so much and that's, and we feel like we're connecting, but really on a physical level, we're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and, and, and so for me, I, I realized that I'm really lucky mm. and that everything that I have right now is not guaranteed. It yep. doesn't, it's probably not, it's definitely not going to stay the same. Yep. So, you know, Troy, uh, Nebaker started, you know, Monster and Sea and his, um, his little slogan, go because you can. I called him and I asked him, like, tell me about what's, what is, yeah. I mean, I kind of get it, but, and when he shared his story with me, I was like, oh my gosh, every day that I'm not paddling, yeah, exactly. running, surfing, I'm, I'm like, so, I feel guilty. Yeah. Like, yeah. It oh, hits you. I should be when out you, there. When you get that, the go because you can, yeah. it hits you like a ton of breaks. You're like, right. And you look back and like, I'm so lame. I'm so, you know, all yeah. these days, oh, it's kind of windy. Oh, I'm going to yeah. go watch the football maybe. Or you're like, dude, yeah. You got to go. And I, and it's funny because not long after that conversation with him, I think it was like, it was the first year that we did the 24. So it was like three years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, super stormy. It's probably like February. And I'm like, oh, we're going to do this 24 hour. I was pretty intimidated because I'm not like a yeah. gnarly paddler like most of you guys are. And, and I was like, oh, you know, that's probably, I, you know, I, when I worked out the numbers in my head, I'm like, 
we're gonna pad- I'm, I'm gonna paddle like 30 miles. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't just do it off the couch. So uh, it was pouring rain and and a little bit windy. The wind wasn't super strong. It was probably like 10 to 15 with some gusts. And uh, I'm like, I gotta go paddle. I gotta go because I can. So I drove into Capitola Village <clears throat> and there's like three cars in the parking lot, middle of the day on Saturday. Get my board out, you know, it's pouring rain on me. Get my water bottle and I'm looking out and the waves are like, it's like six foot shore break in yeah. Capitola. So I get right next to the jetty <laughs> and you're still, it's like stacking out yeah, there. Like, like totally uh, unlike, if for those of you listening, Capitola is like, it's like, yeah, it's docile. There's like, it's so easy <laughs> to get in and out of there. But on a storm like that, it was gnarly and there was all kinds of stuff floating out of the river and um and i i'm like all right i gotta go and i charged it and i went out and uh, you know, i almost got clipped but on my way out um just made it over one and then i went for a killer paddle you know i probably ended up doing like six miles or so but six miles in rough water i love that stuff. oh yeah it's great i love it sammy and i and i went uh, on our lunch break when we were working at surf tech we used to take these uh lunch breaks and we would go down to two six at like one in the afternoon and just paddle straight into the wind out towards yeah. the mile buoy yeah and then just do a downwinder on right. the way back That's and cool. it, you know your board's slapping against so it's miserable yeah. but I ended up coming in and uh, there was some guy, some of the guy, one of the cars in the parking lot had people in it and I didn't know it. And it turns out it was like, these older guys that prone paddle out of Capitola. Oh. And the guy's like, oh my God, I saw you go out. And we had, we waited, they waited the whole time. I was out for like, I don't know, an hour, over an hour. And they're like, we had to see you. And I came in, you know, and everything. And they're just like, who, we had to find out who this idiot is who's <laughs> who out is there. Who is this guy? But it's funny because I, I took a picture of my board kind of, you know, sitting, I don't know, uh, next to my car or whatever. And I, I think I put something up on the yeah. Instagram and I was like, hey, I had a good paddle. I'm glad I went. And I just kind of posted, go because you can. And Jack Bark commented, either commented on the photo or maybe he texted me and was like, dude, I needed that. Yeah, oh really? Like he's like because he was probably you know it's probably yeah. a little stormy uh, down there. And he's like, eh. tomorrow. And uh. I mean, I feel like that message yeah. just goes from one person to the next to yeah. the next. And if we can keep doing that, and um, and I think you know you bring up the kids, and I I love kids. I mean, I've been um, coaching surfing. Joe Joe uh, Clark and I. Um, uh, together kind of started the local surf league yeah. uh, as it is right now there was a surf league before obviously but yeah. we kind of started the current version of it and when he and i met originally the focus was hey we gotta we want to um uh, perpetuate surfing but also get these kids around really good people like good role models yeah. like all the coaches are you know they're not you know beating people up in the parking yeah. lot yeah. and you know crushing beers and yeah. all that stuff out and right. they're like good people that we want our kids around and um and it worked out really well i mean this league's going killer thanks to the coffees and uh and now we're doing the same thing with buell right we're getting but we're kind of taking a step further because it's easy to get kids to go surfing yeah. hey you want to go surfing yeah Duh, let's go yeah. where yeah. do we want to go yep. hey you guys want to go it's it's kind of rainy right now it's about 15 to 20 on shore you want to get, go get your nine foot and ten six <laughs> yeah. paddle boards and let's go down and and uh, uh freeze our butts off yeah. and um and <laughs> they're like sure let's do yeah. it and i think it's cool i love the fact that we got kids that are working their butts off huffing and puffing freezing cold yeah. in february for guards yeah it starts in june like i'm i'm stoked and, and uh yeah and hopefully that's going to resonate and, and i think you know you know just like what the ghost riders is a part of and and certainly something that you see anytime you go to a place like hawaii is just that community yep. you know mom dad yeah. kids grandparents they're spearfishing they're paddling outrigger canoe they're stand-up paddling they're prone paddling they're surfing they're longboarding they're boogie boarding they're skimming they're free diving uh, spearfishing, I think I mentioned. Um, 
And then once you get outside of that kind of tropical culture or Polynesian culture, uh, it kind of goes away it a little bit. It kind of diminishes, yeah. And I think too, and I was, I was actually thinking about this today when I was on a paddle and I was, I was kind of thinking about it. It's like when the kids don't have the gear, how are they possibly going to get interested in it? Like really right. a, develop an attachment or an affinity for that thing. And prone paddling is a perfect example. Yeah. When I was 13, it was like, dude, where, you can't you even get a buy board. Yeah, yeah, you mean, had to buy a longboard. They're the lifeguards, and then you leave after the summer, and you surf, and that's cool. But when it's right. flat, you have no chance. Now, there's a lot of more boards, and what you guys are doing with the Buell boards is great, and other people are doing it. It's just like now the kids have it because they want to do that stuff. You know? Yeah. Um, so they, they, they form that attachment with that activity when they actually have the gear, you know? Right. Which that helps a ton. Yeah. But plus, I think, too, like as a as this this generation or these generations you know you guys are doing a great job of raising, raising your kids and there when i grew up i i can't remember like my boards were like you know 60 i didn't have any i had a 60 and like yeah. a 66 oh, yeah. and a 72 random stuff i didn't even have a long board yeah. i just i was all i, I was so closed minded that if i wasn't it didn't have three fins and i couldn't do a turn then i didn't want any part of it right like, and you know, it's so, super cool where surfing has evolved and you know, people are riding all kinds of crazy stuff and for Groms to grow up and have a foamy, you know, a little 410 Dude. twin fin foamy to go, you know, pull into closeouts in the sand and have a longboard and have their five, six, you know, whatever. And, um, and then to have a, a nine foot yeah. prone paddle board and, um, and eventually a 12 foot paddle board. Yeah. And um, you're ready for everything. Yeah. And then foil boards. I know there's, you know, we see guys foiling out here and stuff. and. That's rad. Yeah. Like whatever gets you on the ocean, fill your garage up yeah. with all the toys. And, um, you know, and for us as a, as a brand, you know, obviously doing the rescue stuff is, um, it just makes sense to have a good uh, nine foot board for the Groms. Oh, for sure. And I, I, that's one of, my, one of my favorite things about what you guys are doing. And just the Groms in general is, again, they have access to stuff. There's things you could actually go buy. Yeah. Right. You, know, you can go find one and get it. Use yeah. one, a new one. It's actually there, which is which is you know so cool. But talk about like you mentioned, like when you were a kid growing up and everything. So kind of let's go way back. You know, you grew up in the Bay Area of California, about an hour from probably where we're at now here in Santa Cruz. Yeah, and so yeah. there was a Maui little chapter in your life and everything. Yeah. 82, 83, learn to surf. So take us through that. I mean, take us from that El Nino year of 82, 83 to kind of into your Maui days. I want to talk about, hear about that a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so I grew up in the East Bay and um, uh, I, I always was pretty interested in the ocean. And, you know, we'd come to Santa Cruz once in a while, but my buddy, uh, my friend Marshall, his family one summer was like, hey, we're going, we, we reserved campsite at New Brighton Beach. Do you want to go? I was like, sure. We get New Brighton, killer. We'll yeah. go to Santa Cruz. It'll be fun to ride the roller coaster. Well, we got here. The first place we went, we went out to dinner somewhere and then we went to um, Freeline. And John Mel was in there, mm -hmm. super nice guy, yeah. and was like, you know, so he, we rented wetsuits and boards, and um, and then that was kind of where that started. Uh, we loved it. We spent the whole week, we rented them for the week, and we, we surfed 38th. And, you know, it was interesting, and um, uh, it, it's, surfing is hard, in, I mean, in general. And if you have people to guide you and tell you what you're doing right and wrong, push you into waves and all that, it's still pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't have anyone to tell you anything <laughs> yeah. other than, hey, that's the right wetsuit for you. Here's your single fin. The leash goes on your back foot. Have fun. Like, dude, it's crazy hard. It is. So, you know, we would paddle out. Like, we didn't understand channels or lineups or right away. And, you know, a couple of kooks coming from over the hill and paddling out. And 
um, you know, right into the middle of the lineup at first peak and just getting donuts. And um, <laughs> we found that, that like Manresa and the beaches were a little bit, they were, st- they, they were more brutal, but it was a little bit easier yeah. in terms of not getting yelled at. A little spread out, yeah. But uh, yeah, so, you know, learned to surf back then. And then uh, I actually had uh, two of my very good friends, uh, one of whom is now my brother-in-law. Um, they, uh, kids I grew up with since elementary school, they had a, uh, have a house up in Anchor Bay. So they were ab mm-hmm. divers and, you know, and I used to go up there with them in the summertime and, uh, and they were surfing, but you know, they never talked about it or anything. And suddenly yeah. we come back from, you know, surfing down here and we're like, Oh my God, surfing is insane. We're loving it. And they're like, bro, we've been surfing for years. Yeah, like right. about time you got on board. <laughs> so we all kind of grew up surfing together. And then uh, as soon as, you know, we all graduated, we all went to Santa Barbara and San Diego. Got it. Uh, went down there and, um, you know, learned quickly that living in Santa Barbara is frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. You know, you just watch swells just, just go, go south, right on by. You know, head yeah. down to Ventura and hit Halama <laughs> and all that. So I, I only lasted there a year, and then I went to San Diego, and, and uh, that was where, where I got my start in the surf industry. Mm. Uh, the Gordons, Larry Gordon, and his family gave me a job at Gordon Smith Surf Shop. Oh no way! On Pacific Beach Drive, wow. super rad. It's like the original. Yeah, the GNS original shop. Yep, GNS. Wow. Yeah. I, I, they gave me a job and uh, uh, it was killer. And, and they were that shop was so core and the guys who worked there were so core. Um, and, uh, and, and I learned a ton from those guys. Um, Larry Gordon forced me to ride a 10 foot log because my surfing style was so hideous. So he's like, and he, I, had, I had ordered a custom shortboard um, from a guy named Terry Goldsmith, and Larry wouldn't let me have the board until I could figure out how to turn this 10-foot log. No way. Uh, he did like your stance. Oh, I was such he a kook. I, I probably thought I was ripping, you know, and he's just like, go learn how to surf this thing, and then you'll get your shortboard. So I learned a lot there and did some traveling. Went down to Costa Rica in 1990. Um, we were there for, I think I was there for about a month, a little over a month. Um, that was pretty sick. We toured the whole country and yeah, got great waves all over the place. Guanacaste yeah. and salsa on the on the um, yeah. eastern side. Yeah, salsa brava. Yeah, it was it was that was super fun. Went down with some friends, and yeah, that kind of gave me my first taste of travel and surfing. Like, oh my god, like hammocks. Like, oh, I just yeah. want to live in a ha- sleep in a hammock right. and surf all day long Life's and good. eat papaya and mango. Yeah. And um, so that was pretty killer. But a friend of mine moved over to Maui. <clears throat> um, I think in nine in ninety one, and uh, he called me and he's just like, hey, I got a couch for you. You got to get over here. So, uh, you know, times were tough back then. Gordon Smith ended up closing and I was yeah. like, shoot, I'm, I'm going to fly, be flying Hawaiian. And uh, it was cool because I went over there, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I was surfing, you know, for, I was surfing pretty good yeah. at that point. I was yeah. doing surfing in contests and stuff down there. And, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go show these Hawaiians how we do it, you yeah. know, and rolling up. And I, I can't remember what month I moved there, but it was before winter had started. So I'm surfing in Lahaina and I got a couple of days at, at Honolulu and, and the first like real swell that came through, Northwest swell that came through and Honolulu was proper, yeah, yeah. you know, and I paddled out there and all these guys that I'd seen like bartenders and waiters right. in town, like out there just sta- stand up tubes and I'm just like, ripping. like I learned so much that first Northwest swell, I was like, whoa. I'm going to keep my opinions to myself and, you know, <laughs> no more judgment. Like those guys are gnarly yeah. and they, they weren't flashy. Look at me, yeah. I'm a surfer. Uh, so they I, did, yeah. It was killer. And so they lived on, I lived on Maui for five years and I was so, I was working for a local motion surf shop. I was running uh, one of their stores. And, local motion, dude, you're with all like the old school, dude, legendary, original. Pure luck. Wow. Just so blessed. I mean, I got hired at local motion and, and the, because of that, 
Like I got to be friends with Eddie Ogata, yeah. which um, is just a, a legendary Maui, local Maui surfer. Um, uh, there's a guy named Alden Paoa. And I learned more watching him stand up surf a boogie board than I have w- watching most people surf a trifin. Really? Like he ripped so hard on a boogie board and then he would go and he was a, he was a landscaper. No. He would go landscape, but the dude ripped. He was actually on the cover of Surfer Magazine in the early 80s. They did a they did an article called um, uh, I can't remember what the article was called, but it was it was windmills at yeah. in Maui on the cover, and it was Alden in the barrel at windmills. Um, I can't remember the name of it. And but that's what he rode. He rode a boogie board. No, not there. Oh. I mean, he, he there, we would go to to McKenna Beach yeah. and a third entrance right there. And uh, it was just, it was sucked because Alden would grab a boogie board and paddle out this little left and just be ripping the snot out of it, standing <laughs> up, like drifting, the, you know, there's no fans, he's drifting the tail yeah. and throwing these huge fans. And you're like, I can't do that on my shortboard. But he, because of that culture of growing up from day one in the ocean on something, Alden, yeah, he was, was just second nature. Yeah. So I got pretty lucky living in Hawaii to be able to spend, I mean, and he's, he's, uh, he's got a lot of Hawaiian blood in him. Yeah. And, wow. and I learned cool. uh, after about a year, I moved out of Lahaina and I, I really learned to love the Hawaiian culture. Mm. And I still do to this day. I, yeah. I kind of say that I'm, I'm Hawaiian at heart because I, I learned, I ate their food. Yeah. I love Hawaiian music. You know, I, I've got an ukulele. I play that once in a while. Not very good, but yeah. Um, started free diving yeah. and I ended up having this killer house, uh, right in Pa'ia, right on the water. Uh, Walter Becker from Steely Dan was my neighbor on one side, and this wow. guy Avi Kirati was a—he's a, 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 a Polynesian artist. He was on the other side, and there was a the Kuau. Uh, there's a little left and right, kind of a crappy wave right in the back, but there's all these outer reefs that were outside our house, like yeah. Laird and all those guys when they were just starting to do tow-ins off of uh, off of Zodiacs. Yeah, they were towing in on the reefs out behind us, and there's all oh, these man. reefs. So you that, would just look out on a macking swell and just see oh, yeah. that happening. You see Laird out there, and, yeah. and Laird, Pete Cabrina, I think Victor Lopez was another one of them. Yeah. And, and you um, have a story, right? You went out, didn't you go out there solo to go get away from the crowds and <sighs> yes. had a little trouble? A little frustrating. I think, yeah. you know, living on that side of the island, I was, it, when it gets that big, you pretty much have to surf the outer reefs. Yeah. And that was before Jaws or Peahi was, um, you know, I, I didn't know about Something, Jaws at the yeah. time. Uh, I don't think anybody was really surfing it. Maybe some guys were, but not too much. Uh, it wasn't public. Um, yeah, so I, I was running around. I had a 7.2 or 7.6, can't remember, gun, minigun. And I was like, where, I gotta surf, you know? I'm, my day off, I gotta find a wave. And uh, I looked at all the normal spots and there was no way to get out and it was bombing. And, and there was this, there's this little, um, there's this little like temple in Paia and there's this funky little cove and I'd never seen a break before. And there's a left on one side and a right on the other. And it was kind of hard to tell how big it was. And so I was like, this is it, I'm, yeah. I've gotta go. And I was by myself and I, 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 I just didn't take the, I didn't do any of the things that you normally would do. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't observe it for a half an hour or right. so. I just kind of saw that it was ways. It looked pretty good. And I jumped in the water and I shot out to the lineup. Like I thought, oh, this is <laughs> going to be a chore. Yeah. I actually, I actually brought uh, in my board shorts. I had a, a, a power bar, the old chocolate power oh, wow. bars. Yeah. Had yeah. one in my board shorts because I figured I'm out here for like four hours, right. you know. 
Uh, and I just shot out there and I was like, well, I'm already out here. Like what? And the, the current was just circling out and it just, I, I mean, it all started happening like yeah, quick. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going out to sea. No way. So I, I paddled and there's bombs coming in. I mean, I don't, you know, it's been a while, but it was big. It wow. was really big. And uh, I realized like I was, I, I was, I needed to try to catch one, but the current was so bad. I couldn't paddle against it. So I just paddled, you know, across it and uh dude i was i was starting to think about laird because back then laird had uh he was taking these beacons out with him you know so people could find him no way was he really and i was like oh i wish like i need a beacon beacon, you know power bar that's not gonna (laughs) yeah exactly that's not gonna help me uh and i started i'm like where am i gonna end up you know am i gonna end up at the airport i'm gonna end up in in molokai um but anyway I, i ended up getting in front of a set and it Right. I never caught a wave. It just, you know, but I was out there for, I was probably, probably took over an, about an hour and a half. That's a crappy feeling when you're like, why am I out here? Because you're like, oh, yeah. okay, this could go one of two ways. Either I'm going to get in and probably get my ass handed to me, but yeah. I'm going to get in. Right. Or not. Right. And I'm not really sure and then what? <laughs> what that means. Yeah. Well, it's humbling. And, and you know, anybody who surfs or paddles really, you, you experience this at some point. It's humbling. You're not as big and strong as the ocean. Yeah. No. Sorry. You can you can do all you want, yeah. but it's gonna win. And when you realize pretty quickly, you're, you know, I started, you know, you, you start losing energy, and and you're like, oh my god, I don't have anything left in my arms anymore. Yeah. And, you're like, what am I doing? Um, there is, no, you know, and, and I gotta try to go in where there's not a bunch of rocks. Yeah. You know, try to find some sand. Um, so yeah, that was yeah. that was a, I learned a lot. Yeah, I had a deal like that at three mile once when I was just a young dumb kid. <laughs> All these guys are standing there. I'm like, I can make it out. And it was the same thing. I just ran out the 6'4", and I should have probably had an <laughs> eight-foot board because it was way bigger. And, yeah, same thing. Paddled for two hours, didn't do anything. All of a sudden, I have no energy. And I'm like, I, what am I doing? You it's know? pretty gnarly that you like you, you would like to teach your kids, like, hey, don't do that. Assess it and all that. But it's crazy what we, like, survive. Yeah, it's true. You know, you're like, uh, like I sh- so many times I did some such bonehead maneuvers and I survived. Yeah, it's very true. So, it, and it makes you kind of who you are. And, yep. Um, no, definitely, definitely learned a lot was. from that one. Yeah, little luck, little little strength, little good luck. You know, it's definitely very very helpful. So, you had all these legendary, like you worked at all these legendary surf shops. Like I remember growing up as a kid, it was GNS. Like I had a shirt and then yeah. Local Motion. I had a pink one, I remember. I was like so <laughs> stoked, this Ew. pink Local Motion, you know. I was like, okay. oh, Hawaiian was like the big thing. I was probably 84, five. It was like all about Hawaii and surfing and everything. And so... Then you landed, I guess, back in the mainland, and then started into surf tech, which is actually when I when we came back, the the there was a family that came out to Maui every year. They had, they had a house out there. They came out for like two or three times a year, and then they had these groms, and they were from uh, they were from Colorado, and they kept telling me about snowboarding, you know. And I was like, ah, I saw it on the Lively Ride video, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And they're like, dude, it's insane. We're gonna bring you these videos back. So they came back. And they brought me these two VHS videos of um, Totally Bored, TB1 and TB2. Mm. And I watched them at my house and I was like, oh my God, that's insane. Like snowboarding looks unreal. So when when we were, when we just, we had our son over there, um, his name is McKenna. Mm-hmm. We had our son over there and, and we were just like, you know what, we should, you know, we, my wife and I got married and we had our kid and we we're like, yeah, we should probably, you know, probably time to hang it up you know it's yeah. been fun but right. time to you know we got a kid so let's move back to the mainland and i was like oh, i don't want to move like to a city or and and i've been in surfing in paradise like i don't want to oh, go surfing you know cold water and crowds and I, you know i wasn't feeling it 
but so the snowboarding thing, I was like, that'd be kind of rad. Mm. Like, what about Tahoe? So we moved to Tahoe and I managed a snowboard shop in Truckee. Uh, and I, I think I got on the mountain. I, I had I had passes at every resort up there. It was so sick. Wait, wait, was so the, you moved from Maui to Truckee. Right to Truckee. And you never even snowboarded. I had never snowboarded. <laughs> uh, well, so we came over. It was funny because we came over at some point uh, when we thought we were going to do that. Uh, somewhere like yeah, or, it, it was out. a terrible winter and there's a there's a newspaper clipping of Denise and I in the lodge of Boreal there's like a patch of snow in like January yeah and there was nothing nothing and we're like I'm, I'm here I'm gonna try and you know we did it so that was my snowboarding but um yeah you know snowboarding hurts <laughs> when you try when you first learn oh, yeah. you slam yeah. pretty hard yeah but I mean oh dude I, we had so much fun I I got I was on the mountain over a hundred days the guys that I got in with were killer snowboarders oh, yeah. and so much like we did I got really into backcountry snowboarding like the whole ASI and Donner area yeah, yeah. is nuts there's just like so many natural features back there that are wow. ridiculous i haven't done it in a while it's epic in fact a friend there. of mine actually um you you probably know uh, the davies um they have a cabin up there sky yeah. davies yeah. uh yeah. and steve. steve uh so we're talking about going out to the benson hut we actually talked to al ramadan uh he's been to it oh yeah so we're, we're going to do a little backcountry right. benson hut action um we're hoping to do it this winter but i think we we might push it out a little bit that's right. So what you hike up, what is a Benson Hut? I've heard of that. So the Benson Hut, if when you're there. in Truckee and you look like towards Sugar Bowl, there's this like dome peak and yeah. and that's Anderson Peak. And the Benson Hut is right at the corner of the peak and there's this huge bowl. And so yeah. if you go up Sugar Bowl, um, uh, you go up Sugar Bowl, like you go up Silver Belt or up, up Lincoln and then you traverse across, you got to hike a little bit and it's there and then the, you just hike right. and, and it's, it, it's a hut and they've got like wood in there and yeah. um, some cots and stuff. But actually Al kind of suggested we go to another hut, which after he showed us some pictures, I, I yeah. think it's a good call. Um, <laughs> but it's super rad. Like, it, you know, you're earning your turns. You're, you're, yeah, for sure. You're, every, you got to hike back up everything you do. And I think a lot of what we're doing here, yeah. it, it all kind of comes together. Yeah. Like paddling, you know, it's you and, yeah. and, and the ocean and, you know, running. If you're going to run yeah. a distance, you, you know, yeah, you got to suffer. Sen- that sense of flow too. I mean, I just went up with Mike Dillery just to, to Bear Valley. It was grim runs, but there was nobody there. And yeah. so it's wide open and you could just... It's that sense of flow, and that's a big yeah. theme of the podcast that everybody has with you swim or you paddle or you surf or you dive. It's like that sense of flow and snowboarding or skiing, you know, is one of those one of those things for sure. Yeah. Well, I think I, I totally agree, and I love the, the surfing feeling of snowboarding. But I think, too, there's also um, kind of the thing in terms of teaching our kids. We have a cushy life. Yeah. It's so easy. And to be able to get your little lift ticket and go up and just let the chairlift take you up and all that and um, you know, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Go put the board on your back. Mm-hmm. Hike. Learn how to skin on, on split boards. You know, uh, I don't have a split board. I'm going to put snowshoes on and I'm going to hike and I'm going to sweat. I'm going to hurt. I'm yeah. going to be tired. I'm going to get scared. You know, when the wind's blowing and the, you can't see. But you know, you're probably going to survive it. Yeah. Yeah. Odds are. (laughs) Uh, And then the stories you're going to have after. But I think as a society, we just need to start getting more comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I know that's a theme of your podcast. And I really appreciate the people that you've had on who talk about that kind of that dark place or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, it doesn't have to be dark. Um, But the more you push yourself and the more you start realizing like, 
and questioning, can I finish this? Can I do it? Yeah. Am I in over my head? Oh my God, what have I got myself into? What am I doing out here? Right. You survive it because yeah. you have survival instincts. So use them, let them happen. If we don't do that, we're gonna lose our own freaking survival instincts. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we're gonna be relying on electronics. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's so true, go hike into the snow and yeah. go paddle across the bay right. and go run do until you it. fall over, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you, you'll, you'll, build your, you'll build character and, and you'll hopefully have great stories to tell and influence others to do the same. Yeah, it's true. That's one thing that like, you know, with today's youth, and I have three of them, you know, and tons of friends, it's all good. It's like, and you do this too, is try to get them to step out of the comfort zone. Because the comfort zone is like, it's everywhere now. It's the phone, and you could be anywhere having the phone, you know, yeah, or yeah. just other digital things. To get out there and experience like raw, man, I'm hurting. I got to get myself out of this weird situation because maybe there's waves or there's snow or whatever that is. Because that's like, for so many of us, that's like, it's not transformational. Maybe it kind of is in a sense, but the ability to break yourself down and, and, and push yourself beyond what your normal comfort zone is. It's just, it's so good what you learn, you know? The, yeah, about yourself. The, the resilience, yeah, you know, it's like so many times I look back in my life now and just being a father and a husband and, and, and like rely on some of the lessons I learned when I was like out in the middle of the ocean or playing football and didn't want to go to this practice or had some yeah. naughty thing. It's like all about just persevering through it, you know? Right. Um, so with that in mind, now move from Truckee to surf tech because from surf tech, that's where we get into this grad uh, other new world of dude, those I, legendary people and places we talked living about the dream. early on. So when I was up there, I think it was uh, Terry Campion came up. He was a sales rep for maybe Santa Cruz snowboards or whatever. And he had a quiver of fresh new surfboards, I think they were Goins, in his in his truck. He'd picked them up on the way up to Tahoe for some reason. Uh, and he pulls up to the shop to show me the Santa Cruz stuff or whatever, and I'm like, TC, what are these? And I pull out these blades and like three fresh sticks, you know, and I was like, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> Dude, and the pain in my heart holding these surfboards, it just, standing in the parking lot in Truckee, I was like, Oh my God, I gotta get been? out of here. How long had it been since you I'd, surfed? I had only, well, I, I came, we came down for one trip and yeah, I surfed a couple the lane. Little, yeah. But, um, but it's, it's less about like how long had I surfed and more about I can't smell the ocean. Yeah. Like I can't just like cruise yeah. down the end of the street and take a look and right. know that it's low tide, know that it's onshore. Like just that complete cluelessness of being up in Tahoe, totally removed from the sea, right, right. was, it was, it was agonizing yeah, isolating yeah. and it was i had a lot of fun up there but the second i could i mean after about six months i was like we gotta move yeah i gotta go to somewhere else so we came down on a trip to just kind of search it out and see if there's any opportunity here and i went over to o'neill and i talked with uh mike locatelli and uh you know he's <laughs> the guy's a character and he um he was like hey well uh i might be able to, to put you to work you know i was like killer because I gave my resume. I mean, I ran yeah. local motion and, right. you know, I mean, it's just like a, it's the O'Neill of Maui, basically. Right. Um, and uh, and, and uh, he ended up not being able to afford me at the time. Yep. He had Mikey J. I don't know if you know Mikey, yeah. but Mikey J. Yeah. was running the shop at the time. And, and that, you know, I would have been kind of the equivalent of him to a certain extent. Um, so he's like, yep, I don't really have room for you. But my friend, Joel Gomez and Cindy, they need a sales rep at Sessions. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they hired me and I, I moved down here and um, 
and was working at Sessions, which was super awesome. I had so much fun. Sammy and I was was working there as our sales manager. And I mean, talk about a killer opportunity. You know, yeah. Loco gave me that opportunity. Joel and Cindy introduced me to everybody. And, um, you know, I was doing the snowboard kind of skate thing and surfing and, yeah. and all that. And then from there, um, uh, I got an opportunity. To, well, from there, I started my own surf shop, <laughs> uh, board shop, Momentum Board Shop uh, up, in, up no in Scotts way. Valley. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, a little momentum. And that was a rad little store. Like, that was a killer shop. Where was that? It was in Scotts Valley. It was in in, uh, the little, uh, I remember the shopping center. It's uh, Mount Hermon Shopping Center where the movie theater is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in there. And, uh, you know, we're we're great with the community. Like, super good. uh, Totally knowledgeable when it comes to surf, skate, snow, all that stuff. Um, But it was just my wife and I. And we were so overwhelmed. And I was like... With all the hours that we're putting in, we're making like three dollars an hour. Right, right. Like this has got to end. Yeah, um, it doesn't really scale. Yeah, it, it it lasted for about three years, and then nine eleven happened, and um, everybody yeah, kind of had their. Up. They really did. Yep. And it was gnarly. People, and that was that was a heavy time. Yeah. So when all that went down, I was like, Oh no, what am I going to do? And Randy French just, I don't know, maybe he was delusional at the time, but he yeah. decided to hire me. Wow. Um, and I owe a lot to him. I mean, he, Randy. He allowed me to live out a chi- my childhood dream. Wow! I mean, truly, when you you know, I grew up in the East Bay, looking at surf magazines, like pouring through them, reading every word, every ad, every the winter circle in the back, right. and um, and I got to become friends with a lot of my childhood kind of heroes. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, yeah. a really incredible opportunity. When Randy was running that company, it was it was a great. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like what he did. You know, they didn't like the offshore board production, but, you know, which I understand. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, he did that, but it was going to happen. Yeah. Thank God it was Randy that did it. Happen. Because yeah. he took that money and poured it back into the surf industry. He paid Mickey Munoz and, yeah. you know, all these guys that um, John Carper and Jeff Bushman and like all these great shapers that yeah. they're, what, you're just going to shape for the rest of your life? Right. Well, now they got to, you know, Don Takayama got, you know, money was showing up in their um, mailboxes every month. Right. And, um, it was cool. And yeah, I got to, so through that, she's, I mean, I, the list is endless of long all list. incredible of, people I got places. to Yeah, so but, but pick out a couple if you would. I mean, memorable moments and or activities or events and pe- with, with certain people. Like was it Jerry Lopez first time? Was it, you know? I, uh, I mean, your podcast is too short, but I yeah. think, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, some highlights. Uh, I was really impressed by the professionalism of Shane Dorian. Hmm. Uh, you know, he had some models with SurfTech. Um, we had some new uh, new constructions that we were working on, and I went to Hawaii and I wanted him. I asked him, you know, could we test these onshore, freezing cold for Hawaii? Yeah. Uh, you know, onshore, ahukai, three foot, just total yeah. garbage. Yeah. And I'm there with my video camera. I have three boards underneath this tree. He's shivering and going out, catching two or three waves, coming back in, switching boards, going out, catching. And I kept apologizing every time yeah. he came in. He's like, let's just do it. Let's do it. Come on, let's do it. You know, you'd think a guy like that would just be like, like, dude, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Go get some other schlep to do that. No. Shane was out there. Anytime I needed him for something, he was there. Poncho yeah. Sullivan was another one. Miles Padaka. Those guys, they, I'd call them. Uh, I, I mean, talking about living the dream, I got to, you know, I'd wake up. My, my routine the last couple of years was I'd wake up in, Randy has a, a, 
place in Turtle Bay, and I'd stay there, and I'd wake up, you know, between 5 and 6 a.m., and McCullough Jones gets up super early yeah. as well, so I'd call McCullough, okay, I'm coming over, I'd go there, he'd put coffee on, he, his house is right on uh, Rocky Point, it's oh, right geez. there, and so I'd go to McCullough's house, he's looking at the, the forecast and the buoys, and we'd be drinking coffee and talking story, and then, you know, people would start calling McCullough, and, and pretty much, I was at ground zero, like wow. wherever. Right in the middle of it. Yeah, I would know who was where and what was happening, and um, so, you know, the whole North Shore kind of thing, we're so lucky, and then Jeff Bushman is, he. it's funny, he, he reminds me a lot of, of uh, Ward Coffee. Really? Here in town, they kind of live somewhat parallel lives in my mind. They're both just very humble, you know, just they love their craft, they're incredible craftsmen, and they just lead simple, yeah, you know, no needs. Like, hey, I mean, Bushy goes to J-Bay, you know, for a month every year, and other than that, he just wants to live at backyards and shape boards, and, so and uh, yeah, so that was pretty so, cool, and yeah. and yeah, hanging out with Jerry Lopez, I mean, geez, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, and uh, he's, he's another, obviously, humble person, really funny guy, and you know, it's funny, too, I mean, living here in town, I mean, I, I really, had, I loved traveling and hanging out with Wingnut. Oh yeah. No, I mean I learned a ton from him, yeah. and, and he's a the guy. You know, people have their opinions or whatever. He's got such a big heart. Yeah. And I mean, he and I traveled um, around. We went to uh, France together, and <laughs> I, there's not too many people that like have these like back areas in airports. Yeah. Like he goes through these doors that no one else is allowed to go through and ends up on the tarmac and, you know, goes through this door and like, I'm like, where are we going? Just follow me. And we end up and we're like right where we want to be, you know, no avoided everything. And I mean, Wingnut, he's, he's done it. He's done it right. Yeah. Oh, he's such a legend. And I had so much fun traveling with him. And, yeah. um, and then, uh, you know, Morgan Hostry, I know she was on your show. Uh, yeah. uh I, I had a, uh, you know the whole paddle thing. You know that was that was pretty fun, and I was I was there when Santa paddling. I basically was there at the birth of Santa paddling. Yeah, yeah. So talk about that Laird. when Joe Bark came on, like when Surf Tech and Joe Bark came together, and I imagine that's when you met him, and then also yeah. probably started prone paddling yourself. Yeah, it was because of that. So we uh, Bark came on board. He called me, uh, and actually he called the the play, he called Surf Tech, and and Randy's like, hey. I'm, I got Joe Bark on the phone. I need you to talk to him. You know, he's all set. He's going to use prone boards with us. Just, you know, talk to Joe and, and you guys figure out what we need to do. Get his boards and all that. So I talked to Joe and Joe's just, he's such a great character. Yeah. And, um, and but I didn't know anything about him. The only prone guy I'd heard of was Mike Eaton, I think. Yep. And, uh, and, uh, uh, who's got Dennis Pang in, in right, Hawaii. Right. Those are the only two prone so shapers that I'd heard of. Time frame, 2005, six-ish? When was this? I think it was right around then. Yeah, yeah. probably 2005 was when yeah, I started so, working yeah, with Joe. Yeah. Uh, and Laird had, had just launched his his mm -hmm. first, the Laird model, stand-up 12.1 SUP with us, which I think was kind of how Joe got in, in touch with us. So we, we had this meeting we in our boardroom up there. It was Randy and um, some of the other guys, John Griffith and... Uh, and one thing with Randy was if we're going to make it, we need to do it. Mm. So, you know, we are the most credible board builders in the world. Yeah. You know, we all surf, we got great long borders, great short borders, guys who ride guns, you know, all of that. And he, we're in this room and he goes, okay, who's, who's going to be the guy? And I'm, we're like, I was like, what, for what? Well, we're making these bark yeah, boards. Somebody did. here needs yeah. to be paddling because you know I don't <laughs> paddle right now. Them, yeah, yeah. So everyone just kind of looked at me, and and I had actually read um, the bull, uh, uh, um, Greg Knowles' Greg book. Knowles yeah, the book. Yeah, 
I had read that a long time ago, and I was always oh, intrigued yeah. by right. those guys. Catalina Crossing, Catalina, yeah, so gnarly. Yeah. And I was like, I'd like yeah. to prone battle someday. So I was like, okay, I raise my hand. You know, I'll be the guy. And and so I, you know, when those boards came out, I started paddling, and yeah. I called Joe. And you know, it's funny because I I thought, you know, I mean, I was riding a five eleven. Yeah. You know, I ride a five eleven shortboard, and I was like, I had this fourteen foot board, like, and I was heck? like. <laughs> I'm gonna. This thing's gonna be a tanker. Yeah. And I can't remember where it was that I first tried it, but I I went out to the water and I went to hop on it and I rolled right over the other side. <laughs> you know. And I yeah. was like, pretty. You know what? You're and like, I got awesome. on it and I was like, killer. oh my god, I had to have my feet out off the edge. You know, splayed out and like I was like, oh my god, I was so humbled the first time I prone paddled. Yeah. And you know what was rad was that there was no like prone paddle school or take a prone paddle lesson at the time. I reached out, like I I asked Joe Beek, um, who's a local paddler Mm -hmm. here. uh, He's a legend in and of himself. And I asked him and Gunnar Roll, who are the two, another guy. I asked him questions and they were always really vague. It was always (laughs) like, yeah, you know, just hop up to your knees and just go, you'll be fine. I called Joe and he's like, oh, you'll get it. Just keep going, you know. There was nobody who was like, no. there wasn't like a money making like, oh, we got to suck this guy in. It was like, ah, just go paddle and you'll figure it out. Yep. And um, Super fringe, yeah. I loved that about yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, and it is, a, you know, prone paddling, um, you know, you're you're in it. You're you're wet and yeah. it's you're paddling. It's when you go surfing for two hours, you know, you're paddling for a decent amount of that. But you're also sitting for a lot of it. Yep. And then you're riding waves for a few minutes or whatever. But when you paddle for two hours, you're paddling for two hours. Yeah, just paddling. Just paddling. Yeah. So, you know, your your hands are going to get cold and the muscles are going to get sore. And um, But certainly the things that you see and do out there are pretty spectacular. And, yeah, so I, I jumped in and became the prone paddler um, for us at the time. And um, and that was awesome. And that and because of that, I got to be yeah. great friends with the right. Bark family. A, not a really deep relationship with Joe and uh, his family and everything. I mean, and that guy's an animal. And he's yeah. he's, he's another an one. Absolute animal. Absolute animal. And yeah. you know what's crazy is uh, he, they, he said, he called me up one day and said, "Hey, Duke, uh, we're gonna do the uh, we're gonna do the 50." And I was like, "Good for you." <laughs> and he goes, "No, we need you to do it with us." And I was like, "50 what?" And he goes, "Well, it's it's in I think it was in Jan- it's in January, and we basically we go out to Catalina and we just do this little run. But you gotta come, man. You gotta come." And I was like, "50 what, Joe?" Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you gotta tell He's me, like, "Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Just you know, just get your running shoes and you know maybe run a little bit and then come out and join us." And so I I called another one of the guys, Chris Aguilar. I was like, "Chris, what is he talking about?" He's like, "Oh, he asked you to do the 50." <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a 50 mile run around Catalina Island. You know, I mean, if you look at Joe Bark, like you never think running shoes oh, yeah. and running ultra marathons. Totally. Joe Bark is an ultra marathoner. It's a, that trips me out, man. It's yeah. not, and he's. I mean, he's pretty damn good. Really? Like, the guy can run. Gosh, he smoked me that year. He smoked me every time done, I've done it. Yeah. I've done it twice, and he smoked me both times. Yeah. But, I mean, it just, it's a testament to his, that guy's heart is, is, a, is I mean, humongous. No, it's huge. And then they add for Cali's cause, right? Yeah. Now, now I, I don't think, I think the conditions might have been funky this year, but in the past, they paddle over, yeah. <clears throat> run, and paddle back. They're psycho. You know. I did it with him last year, and thank God it. Did moved. you do it? Yeah, I paddled. I did the paddle run, so we. I paddled over with them. Yeah, um, which was incredible. Uh, is it? I mean, I, I was. I've been telling people that I, I paddled with Lockwood Holmes. Yeah, 
Dustin Fierro, right. Jack Bark, um, Steve Schlenz. Right. Uh, epic crew. For like half hour, 40 minutes, I'm just paddling with these guys. Right. That's never happened. Right. If we do the yeah. J race or. You're gone. You're gone. Boom. I, I see yeah. you at the start and I'll see you at the finish. Yep. We'll, see, we'll have beers in the parking yeah, lot. That's about it. But yeah. I got to paddle alongside those guys yeah, for cool. five hours. Yeah. And I get to see how they paddle. I get to see when they're knee paddling and their stroke. And we got to talk about it. And they, you know, and yeah, that's uh, cool. it was insane. Yeah. It was by far, in my mind, the funnest paddle experience that I've ever had. Yeah, that's Because there awesome. was no like, oh God, go all out and, you know, uh, and we'll see at the finish line. And then, yeah, we got to the Isthmus and then, you know, we, Joe and myself and Chris Aguilar slept in, in, uh, this little trailer, yeah. of this really nice family that, that, uh, Joe has become very good friends with over the years and right. uh, wake up at five in the morning and then we go run a marathon, uh, which is gnarly. And like Ryan Addison, yep. I mean, is another one. Like he just took off five, you know, as soon as they start gun started, he took off. I think he ended up like fifth or something. Jeez. Dustin Fierro was like third. <laughs> like these guys are gnarly like you think of them as paddlers right. and lifeguards and whatever yeah. and then they put running shoes on and you're like oh you got third in the marathon yeah that's rad because most surfers you know who are really ripping surfers they can barely even run because they've spent their whole life just doing this with their arms paddling you know and they're kind of which docky is on land but i think that's changing because yeah, we're all realizing I that agree. balance is key yeah and you better be doing a cross training in some level yeah. whether you're Doing yoga or running. Oh, and yeah. I think long, for the longevity factor, that's key. I've just noticed yeah. for myself as 44, with like, oh, my knees and my hips and my back, it's like the more variety I add to my physical regimen, the better I feel. Paddling, a long bike ride, yoga, the elliptical machine, you know, even a little swimming here and there. It's yeah. not just one thing or two. It's like I gotta, I feel my best. I'm doing a lot of different things, you know. Well, it's good for your longevity too. Yeah. You don't yeah, want to have true. those overuse injuries like my shoulders right yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right, man. So then Duke, so you're off to Australia, Japan next week. Yep. What about the rest of 2019? You're coming back. We're going to do 24 hour paddle. You're going to jump in. We're going to do some midnight, dark, cold <laughs> paddles. Phytoplankton um, flying everywhere. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that. Oh, how epic was that? Just that the, was insane. Oh, so nice. Um, yeah. So what else? 2019 and maybe even beyond. Any other big things you're looking at? Tons. I mean, we're uh, you know for Buell, we're doing this beach party tour uh, yeah. this summer, and cool. so we're going to be cru cruising up and down the coast and going onto the east coast and um, doing demos and you know Buell doing his thing. I mean, he's such a lovable character. Yeah. Uh, and we, when we show up at surf shops and him. And and, and Wills, they have this little mic and setup. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy it's cool. how how cool that little setup is and how much fun it is. And then Rocky, you know, he'll be barbecuing something in the parking lot or yeah. whatever. And then we'll, you know, we'll do demos or whatever. And then um, and then on the rescue side, uh, you know, that's just getting started. I mean, right. we have junior guards kicks off in in uh, June, and um, so we'll we'll be involved with that and. Uh, you know, our team, everyone kind of comes back together, you know, yeah. everyone's kind of in school and, you know, Amanda's over at Stanford right. and Hayden's out at UNLV and um, once that's over, then everyone kind of gets back and now it's like lifeguard mode. Renee Jackson is one of our um, ambassadors. She's mind-blowing. She's insane. She's she's uh, training for the Pan American Games for kayak. Whoa. And she's Olympic hopeful for that. And then she's, and then she's also, you know, she she was a, uh, um, she's she's really specializes in surf ski, 
Um, and she won she won nationals uh, at Surfski um, this last year, and right so she's gonna be we're focused on that. I don't know if she's gonna be able to do nationals this year because of the Olympic yep. stuff. Yeah, right. Um, right. But so you know, so it's like, and then Coral, uh, who's de- who's a, she's an LA County lifeguard. Yep. Um, so we're gonna be getting back with the rescue team Fun. and uh, getting them going, and you know all the junior guards. Um, and you know our goal is you know with part of the thing that we're doing here in Santa Cruz is we have these junior guard training camps. Um, Really, essentially the mission was, I wanted to plug these kids, your kids, in with the best athletes in the world and uh, that we have access to. Right. So, you know, having them with Amanda, you know, she's a national champion, yeah. uh, world competitor, world-class competitor. Uh, Renee Jackson has trained with them. We'll get Hayden here. Um, and to get those kids to learn from the best. Yeah, not, cool. not, don't listen to me, right. you know, or somebody who's like done a competition. Yeah. Let's listen to people who've won them. Yeah. Let's focus on how, what did they do? And, and so on the athletic level, it's incredible to have the opportunity for them to learn from them. But then if you flip it over and, and I challenge anyone to look at the Instagram of our athletes on the rescue side, yeah. look at those guys. They're stellar humans. Yeah, for like, sure. They're, they're not, you don't look at their stuff. Instagram and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. that person's an idiot. Like as a dad, you're not like, I don't want my kid hanging yeah, out with no, this. No, they're killer role they're models. They're incredible yeah. people. Yeah. And, they don't, and they're not trying. Again, same deal. They're, yeah. they're yeah. just living their lives natural. the way that they want to do it. Yeah. They realize that it's important. Academics are important. I mean, Renee is a... a She's like a, a, a instructor at UCLA, and yeah. she's doing all this crazy stuff with LA County. That um, it's it's amazing. It's so and, cool. And then, yeah, like I said, Amanda's at Stanford, and I think yeah. Coral. I'm not sure where she went to school. She, I think she, I think she might have gone to Cal. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are the people that you want your kids to be yeah, around for sure. So we're going to train awesome, them, man. and then and then uh, you know, on the selfish side, uh, here in Santa Cruz, we've got Santa Cruz City Junior Lifeguards, yep. Capitola Junior Lifeguards, and Santa Cruz State State Junior Lifeguards, and uh, I want to try to bring them all together, yeah, and have kind of this unified Santa Cruz group that we kind of build this thing where we we create a curriculum, and the kids go out there and they train hard all year long. Um, they're they're more than ready when regionals comes. Right. There's we, they know who they are. They know. Yeah. Hey, I'm doing flags. This one's a you know uh, board paddler. Mm-hmm. You know all that. Uh, and uh, and then you know go to nationals as well. And then hopefully other areas kind of see what we're doing yeah. here. And yeah. then we can kind of take that down to Huntington Beach and take it down to right. San Diego and and take it out to Deerfield Beach and right. out to New Jersey and um, and have those kids like. You know, it's not such a summer camp type of thing. It's right. really like part of what they do. Yeah. Is, you know, well, like the Australian Surf Club type yeah. of idea where mm-hmm. it's year round and it's more of a community thing versus this beach for and that beach. Like here we are in Santa Cruz, is like capital versus Santa Cruz. But yet in the right. end, it's like it's we're a mile apart, you know, and all the kids yeah. hang out anyway. You know each other, yeah. you know. Oh, I'm a huge fan of that idea. And I was talking to Kaylin Winter, um, Kylan Winter. Yeah. Who from you know the I you know the U.S. national paddleboard team prone female fifteen years old she's on she's just she's so incredible and and I was thinking about like I wish like I shouldn't say wish like Australia she's celebrated as a freaking hero right Mm. because Mm -hmm. prone paddling is a thing Mm -hmm. here it's it's a thing but not really you know and here we are with her in our backyard yeah like the 
dominant female in the nation for her age, right. you know, and it's like, let's capitalize on that, get the other Grom stoked, right. and build it for, you know, into Well, the it's a little, it's crazy. And I think part of it is the anomaly of not, people not, the society not understanding the sport so yeah. much. But Ben Coffey is a classic yeah, example. That's right. He went, oh, he went to, what, Daytona Beach, I think, at the time, won the U19 uh, paddleboard. Yeah. He was the national yeah. champion. Nobody even knew. Nobody knew. Yeah. I called his parents and I'm like, oh my God, that's insane. Nothing. Like yeah. Santa Cruz should have put a banner on oh, yeah. the wharf, like home of 2000, whatever yeah, it was, 15, sure. U19 yeah. national champion. Yeah. And, um, you know, in Capitola this year, Ava Burke, she won yeah. the B's beach flags. You know, nationals. She won regionals and then she went over and won nationals. You know, who knows what she's going to do this year and continue on. Yeah. But then you come home and it's just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. It's just, Ava, <laughs> know. you know, it's, it's like if, if, yeah. if the if the lo- if the Santa Cruz high badminton team won a yeah. state championship, it'd be in the Sentinel, the yeah. newspaper, local newspaper. They'd have a banner up at the high school gym and all that. But we have a we have national champions I here. And, and I think hmm. every community kind of has a little bit of that. Yeah, where it's, it's like, true. We have these great athletes that kind of go unnoticed to a certain extent. Yep, it's true. You know. Well, but, but I do appreciate you and all your effort to keep the kids, the next generation, focused and give them something to do, give them boards, get the trainings together. It's just rad. My kids are stoked. And I love. Cool. And it's the word spread. You know, it's not like overnight everybody's going to show up. It's like more people know about it. I've been being. I've been asked. Hey, do you know there's a next one? What are nice. we doing? Like it's cool. You know. So. But I think that. A lot of that goes back to the families, you know. There's there's some uh, some continuity among yep. all of us, kind of wanting our kids to experience this. And, you know, what I do is is kind of put the pieces together, but it doesn't work unless the families yeah. see the value in yep. it. And when the families see the value in it, then they're going to encourage their kids to do it. And I know, like uh, one of the kids that came last time, uh, the waves were pretty good, and, and she was planning on surfing. And her dad's like, "You can surf anytime." Yeah. Go get go back, go paddle into the wind right. with these guys, and I appreciate that. Yeah, like he's cool. right, you yeah. know, she can serve anytime she wants. Yep. Come and paddle with us. Yeah. Come yeah. and get a workout and learn from the best. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It is cool. Yeah. Right on. Well, Duke, thank you for your time, man, and sharing all this cool stuff. I probably have like another hour of questions about a lot of your travels we didn't get to, so I'm gonna have to have a part two because I want to hear about part the two. Yeah. All this other stuff. But thank you so much, man. Good luck in Australia, Japan, the rest of the year. Get your shoulder better. <laughs> Get you thanks. back out there, man. Well, thanks for this, and, and thanks thanks to you for putting this podcast on. I mean, I think the yeah. paddle world and the the free diving world and you know the ocean uh, world really appreciates you doing this. Awesome, it's pretty cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank yep. you. All right, man. So thank you so much. All right. Cool. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, if you like what you heard, uh, please, you know, uh, hype us up on social media. Always appreciate, you know, spreading the word. Uh, give us a nice little rating on the uh, your podcast app and uh, just keep tuning in. If you're interested in being on the show and sharing some of your life stories, uh, hit me up, josh at thisoceanlife.tv. You can PM me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. Anyway, thanks again for being here and uh, have a great day.